Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peach Reese 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new Frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. It's a Wednesday uh, focus on our community here uh, and uh, the important work that Community Shelter Services is doing uh, throughout the community. And we are excited to have with us Diane Lizette. She's the executive director. Hi, Diane. Why, hello, and thank you for having us. You got it. And we also have with us from the Kiwanis Club, Kathy Zinmanski. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. And we've got Kane Patrone. He is the shelter manager for Community Shelter Services. Hi, Kane. How are you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. All right. So um, we're a family show. We like to get origin stories. Let's uh, quickly hear, did you grow up here in, in, in Erie, Diane, or are you a transplant in? Oh, no. I'm a transplant in. I spent a lot of time, actually, most of my life here on the Great Lakes from, oh. t- from Toledo, Ohio, but a family of boat owners. Oh, okay. Very cool. That's cool. Um, and uh, what got you into this work of helping the homeless? Well, I've worked in the nonprofit segment for years. Uh, spent a lot of time up in Detroit for uh, kids that had lost their parents. Mm. But I wanted to come back, be with some family and friends here in Erie, and help the homeless because I know of the great need here. And I also know that communi- uh, the community here in Erie is one of the greatest. And it has actually been an experience in my three years here that this community is one of the greatest that's wonderful to hear uh kathy how about you uh transplant or did you grow up here i was raised and grew up in the great state of ohio okay and uh what brought you to erie i came to college to erie i wanted they had the degree that i wanted so i came to erie yeah you know that that works really well for our economic development (laughs) when when you know the we have that velcro effect uh from the universities and and people love it and they stay. That's exactly. wonderful. And, and uh, you're a board member at the shelter, uh, but what do you do? What is your career? Uh, what do you do for um, a living? I'm a geek. <laughs> I really am. I own a computer technology company where we take care of businesses, IT services. That's fantastic. Great. We'll love to ask you more about that in a bit. Um, and Kate, how about you? A transplant or did you grow up here? Oh, I am a proud uh, born and raised resident of Erie, Pennsylvania. Where'd you go to high school? Um, went to Strongwinson High School. Fantastic. Uh, Mercyhurst University for college. Um, and then I actually also grew up inside the shelter myself. So oh, wow. Okay. Kind of got um, lived in experience. That's amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that in a second. I want you all to weigh in because uh, we do a lot of uh, conversations here on the show about 
homelessness and the efforts of the home team to um, to do this work. Uh, but it, it get we have this sense that homelessness is getting worse. Diane, is that is that accurate in, uh, for what where we're at in Erie? Well, that's very accurate. You know, during COVID and we had the eviction moratorium in place, um, we're seeing a greater need and a, a large growth spurt in some of the mental behaviors and mental illness that we face daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the rising cost of food, e- utilities. Uh, all of that is really putting a strain on individuals, family, and, and even the children throughout Erie. Uh, Kathy, are, are you getting that sense as well that uh, uh, that you just there just seems to be more Absolutely. people struggling? And to tag on what Diane said, another opportunity that Erie is faced with is housing because there are no simple homes for that small family to purchase right now. They're not on the market, and if they do go on the market, they are just very high priced. So that's also leading to the homelessness that we're seeing. Okay, and that's kind of counterintuitive, but it's for real that the idea is we're known as this very affordable housing market, yet the inventory is just not there. And sometimes, uh, uh, you know, a person that is having, you know, struggle staying housed doesn't have the credit worthiness to buy a house, right? I mean, right, yeah. And then, of course, you know, there's everything else after, you know, post COVID 19. It's, uh, I think it's hit, um, it's been a pretty big hitter on uh, the city's homeless you know what i mean people who've never struggled a day in their life you know are making close to sixty thousand dollars a year and you know they see themselves in a shelter amazing that is that now there's a story that i don't think my listeners would would know about you know right um all right so we've got this we've got this amazing community shelter services 50 years in existence um but you you're you're growing and you're changing tactics so tell us up until now you know what has been kind of the strategy to get people into housing well first of all uh, we're 24 7 so we never close our shelter is always open so we want to let the the people on the street and the homeless know that we are here for them and that this community Mm -hmm. will take care of them and and we do a great job with that so with that being said every night or every week um being down in the emergency shelter with kane um i hear the coordinated entry which is uh 800 uh 814 shelter that the calls come in for a family dad and his kids or a family that needs emergency housing they have nowhere to go you know it's uh two below zero and sometimes we have to turn them away and I would hear this over and over and I knew that there was a a greater need and it was just becoming explosive so we started to talk Kathy and I got together one day just a second conversation before we get to that I want to ask you what is you you have the emergency shelter and then you have some longer term uh, apartments in in the main shelter there at Columbus School or yes we do we have our single resident occupant uh, places they're apartments where only one person can live okay. um, they can have guests uh, I think three times a month overnight but it is only for one person is it that is... the same at the lodge at SAS that a is single correct. person yes Are, is there any family shelter that, that comes under your purview no, no. 
nothing. Interesting. Now, in addition to our emergency shelter, we do have two other programs. One is the lighting the candle. And again, that lighting the candle program. And right now in Erie, we're, um, we're housing over 85 children and several families. I think it's 22 families to date right now. But we do help them throughout Erie with transitional housing, which is that next step from the emergency shelter. Then in addition... So is this kind of like a foster kind of thing or no you, you find a bed for them tell me how this works well the lighting the candle is uh we actually find a home for them okay for uh, uh the individual with a guardian yes they we we are their guardian so we are the ones overseeing the entire program um you know we're helping them find jobs we're helping them build resumes uh we're making sure that the kids are going to school um you know helping them with all those needs but so in this a, is something that you guys staff, and uh, and it's like an apartment complex or a, no, a it's boarding indi- home? Or? No, it is uh, individual homes that we rent from individual landlords throughout Erie. Okay. But okay. W- then we kind are... Kind of like group homes, basically. Uh, well, they're on their own. They're, it's an individual home, and we then are the acting landlord. So even though we're renting uh, the home from Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, we act as a landlord, so Mr. and Mrs. Smith that own that actually own the home, they're guaranteed their payment every month, mm-hmm. and you know we help with all of that. In addition to that, if we finally uh, get them working and find a job, then we can actually help save some money each month that we'll put into an account for them to help them with a deposit or their next phase. So this is a transition from emergency to the, uh, being self-sufficient. Correct. And, and what are the age groups? Because you, you said young people. I'm, I was thinking it was l- little guys, but it's actually over 18, right? I mean. Well, the, the parents are over 18, yes. But we have newborn babies in this program oh, wow. um, all the way to we have a 85-year-old vet in in the program as well so in and everything in between so age really doesn't come into play more the need comes into play then in addition to the lighting the candle we also have what we call our homeward bound that there is a little bit more permanent housing uh, we own eight homes throughout erie and we have families uh, they're they're all filled where um, we put these uh, people that are a little less fortunate into these homes and we help them find uh, jobs. Uh, you know, we can teach them uh, laundry needs and, you know, anything that they may need. Um, some of them, you know, didn't have a birth certificate or a social security card and we can help them get all the identification that they need. Um but we put them into this next home, and there's no hurry out of the home. We, we they can stay there as long as they they wish or they need. Oh, okay. And and, and Kane, do you feel like this kind of covers um, what percentage of of the need that's out there with what community shelter is doing, and maybe some of the other agencies that are in this space? Well, um, one thing that really uh, drew my interest to um, working for community shelter services is the fact that um, whatever the percentage is of whatever demographic, um, community shelter services um, is involved. Um, we have our hands in pretty much every demographic now with the addition of our tiny homes. So um, there's not any demographic in Erie now that we don't have our hands in and um, reaching out to. So, But would you say that demand is, is easily beyond supply? Um, I would I would think so yeah um, mm-hmm. I mean we have uh, right now we have close to 80 people inside of our emergency shelter you know so you know if 
if the supply was there, I wouldn't have anyone else, anyone at all in my shelter. So, um, mm -hmm. you know what I That's, mean? So yeah. if the demand's there and if it's available, we can usually fill it pretty quick, but you know, the supply isn't to where it is or where it should be right now. And then of course there are the other agencies. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the emergency, the overnight winter shelter that, uh, you guys used to run now Yuma runs, right? Was it Mar our father's, what is it? Correct. It's our, our neighbor's place, our neighbor's place. And, and, and so there's beds that are being filled there. Right. I, I just I guess I'm trying to get my arms around yeah. the enormity of the issue here yeah, in Erie then, for um, emergency shelter, right? Right. And we're you know, we're just getting the getting off the off ramp of the interstate of, you yeah. know, uh, winter shelters in Erie. Um, right. Yeah. But you know, this year, um I think, you know, everyone on the home team, you know, including myself, we uh you know I think this was the first winter in a long time that all the agencies worked together. Um, so, you know, uh, community shelter services, we are, um, you know, a little bit, um, a little bit more, um, stable than other programs in Erie. Um, so we were able to stay open all year and along of staying open all year, we were able to provide 17 extra beds to assist our neighbor's place in Yuma okay. with, um, getting as many people as the county can off the street so yeah again if the demand is increasing right. you would want supply to increase and so uh, kathy does this kind of lead to um you know looking at as a board member looking at okay what are other solutions that are out there sure as first of all as a board member for community shelter services it was alarming quite frankly one night um when my husband myself and a couple other people were there and to see what the overflow shelter looked like. Uh, as a board member, we had heard about it, but to view these cots and everything else, it, it was, yep. I got in the car and cried, not in front of them, but that sort of, Diane has told us over and over again, we're in a crisis, we're in a crisis, leading us up, preparing us and so forth. So until firsthand you see it, as you mentioned earlier, it, it, it's okay, It's out of sight, okay. out of mind. Exactly, it? and yeah. even as a board member, I mean, she, continuously mm -hmm. would educate us on it after that night it was very alarming and i believe it was shortly after that where um my husband david and myself and diane had a conversation about you know what can we do what difference can we make we're talking about the new tiny homes down at uh, columbus family village part of community shelter services uh where we picked up the the story here is just understanding the enormity of the issue, especially when it comes to the emergency shelter. And, and Kathy, you were talking about, you had a conversation with Diane, the executive director uh, of CSS. And um, the, I mean, is, was it basically, you know, what, what are the solutions that are out there or what is it within our capacity? Talk about some of that conversation there. Sure, it was what are our options out there as well as I had seen a couple of things and showed it to my husband. And Diane, at the same time, it turns out, was looking, uh, she had been looking at it previously. Mm -hmm. And then we just started bouncing ideas off of each other. What can we do? And Diane actually was going to get in her car and drive to New Jersey to see some things that were in place there. And then she came to us and said, what if we were to do this instead? So she started contacting different people and going from there. Talk about that, Diane. Uh, you were obviously benchmarking, you know, when when capacity is not to where the demand is. What were some of the things that you found? 
Well, I, I found that the need for the tiny home and how quick we would be able to put one, two, three, and four in. Um, so the, the, the quickness of the development. Or... Absolutely. Yeah, that that played a huge part on, um, you know, a, a quick fix, right? Mm -hmm. um, that I knew that I could house one, two, three, and four families almost almost immediately. Uh, and that was very important is to get the kids off the street, make sure, you know, and, and, and they're on our site. So the bus stop is right there at our doorstep. So we can make sure that these kids are going to school and we can make sure that when they go to school that they have clean undergarments and clean clothing. We can also deal with the schools and make sure that they have the right supplies in their book bag. So they're not different than any other kid that's in school or does not have the school supplies that are needed. So really the focus is making sure that the kids are covered uh, along with the parents, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, I'm interested in the whole idea of the tiny home vis-a-vis, -vis, you know, maybe some expansion project or something that you would take on. Uh, speed is the issue. I would imagine cost is an issue too. Well, I, I think you, you've touched both of them. And, uh -huh. and Joel, you've said it, I couldn't say it any better. Um, the need is number one. Um, the cost is going to be great, but this community, just since we've got our first one from the Kiwanis, um, we've already been promised the second one from Erie Insurance. It's being put together now and, and built. Um, we'll be able to get it here probably sooner rather than later. Um, one thing we have on our side right now, obviously, is weather. So we, we've, we can take our time in making it right, get everything perfect, just like we did the first one. Mm -hmm. no, uh, we don't want to hurry anything along. And we've also had another anonymous donor in this community uh, step up and is going to completely furnish the second tiny home because they uh, liked what they could see on our first tiny home. So what what is in a tiny home at uh, at the Columbus uh family village there so it the one that we have in place right now can sleep four uh there's two bunk beds in there we could actually put um, a little pull out if we wanted and have five um there is a place up on top for storage which is nice as the family can gather belongings um, there is a place for storage there is a full bathroom so we can make sure that they are clean on a daily basis they have the um, ability to come inside the shelter which is only 20 steps away where they will be served four meals a day so the kids we know when they come home from school they can come right into the shelter and get uh, a snack or even a meal if they wish um, they have the avail availability to uh, all free laundry service, mm -hmm. something that we were just able to change because of the wonderful donors and the vision of the board that we have. I mean, we have an extraordinary board um, with the greatest vision in this community. Um, we, we used to charge 75 cents a load for um, our residents to do laundry. But uh, we could see that they didn't have that 75 cents. Wow. So we have now been blessed with all new washers and dryers. Fantastic. Wow. I, I'm interested in the, um, and this might be too much inside baseball, but like, you know, there's zoning and there's, uh, you know, you have to get a building permit and, you know, you, doing plumbing in the city often is, you know, needs a lot of inspections and things. How did you pull that off? Well, uh, I, I first went right to the top, to Mayor, <laughs> Mayor Joe, um, and he's been absolutely wonderful and so supportive. Uh, and 
he put me in touch with the right zoning, the right inspectors, invited them all out to our property and spent um, several visits with them. And this is what we can do. This is what we cannot do. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, this community, when everyone was working together, um, it's happening. And I really see the vision for these next four homes to go up quickly and then eight. And then hopefully uh, someone in this uh community would be gracious enough to talk about maybe donating some property where we would be able to really build a nice village uh right right our, now it's in what would be your parking lot right or, correct and and but somebody had to dig a trench and do the whole drainage and the whole bit so that that is really remarkable we're focused on homelessness and being part of the solution here and part of the solution for 50 years has been community shelter services. Diane, you guys are uh, having a celebration come out of here, right? Or Yes, we are. It's Friday night out at Mound Grove. Uh, we are sold out. We're excited yeah. about that. Even being sold out, people will call and say, well, can I still sponsor or contribute some sure. way? And that's awesome because, you know, we can put them down as a table sponsor. But um, sold out at 250 So Fantastic. Diane Lizette, the executive director, Kathy Zemanski uh, on the board is in part of the Kiwanis Club, and Kane Patron, he is the shelter manager. Um, we've been talking about these tiny homes and the unique approach to emergency shelter for a family. And what you folks have been telling me is that this really fits a need because it is very difficult to put a uh, uh, a father and a mother together with their kids, right, Kane? I mean, yeah, that's that's correct. So, I mean, um, I think uh, a common denominator between all the shelters in Erie County is the fact that you can't have men and women together, um, especially for long periods of time. So, um, I know in our case, we have uh, men and women separated on completely separate sides of the building. Um, the women and the families are protected, obviously, with uh, a lockdown floor with you know codes to get in cameras lockdown doors all that kind of stuff so um it's it's hard to keep them together yeah and so the this is a a unique self-contained way to keep the security up yet to fulfill that need right yeah i mean and then our tiny home our uh, kiwanis village that we have on property um it falls underneath all of our security measures cameras mm-hmm. uh, security guards stuff like that so they have the same security measures um they're just together Kathy, weigh in on uh, Kiwanis' uh, interest in this project here. Um, where is that? Where is that uh, tell me that story, if you would. Kiwanis' primary focus is working with children. And we formed a partnership. Um, again, I keep referring to Diane, but when Diane came on board for Community Shelter Services, she seeked us out. She saw that we worked with children. What can we do? How can we partner? So we partnered together with Community Shelter Services. And, you know, we've given the kids books and everything else. And then we realized we need to get a family together. You know, the little kids need to be with mom and dad if we can make that possible. Mm-hmm. So we went to the board. And we spoke to the Kiwanis board and gave them the story, why we need this, why this has to happen. And I can tell you right now, without hesitation, every single board member said, yes, we need to make that happen to keep these kids safe and with mom and dad. Now, uh, you know, clubs across the, the region are not as big as maybe they were 20, 25 years ago. How, how, do, how did you guys get your arms around a big project like this? because of the Erie community, quite frankly. Okay. One of our biggest fundraisers, well, 
pretty much our only fundraiser is the diner's cards. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the diner's card, but it's a huge fundraiser for us. And the community purchases it. So because of the community, we are able to donate money or make it possible so we can have a tiny home in Erie. All right. And Diane uh, Kiwanis, uh, you know, is covering this first one. Talk about the vision of this village and what we're what we're looking forward to, I guess. Well, we have a lot to look forward to, and, and we're going to be putting number two, three, and four, Tiny Home, in place uh, pretty quickly, uh, probably throughout the summer. Okay. Uh, but then the vision, I believe, is to really have uh, a Kiwanis Tiny Village working together. Uh, amazing things happen when uh, two uh, organizations do work together, and there's a lot of strength, and, and obviously we can do more uh when we have more right so with that i would like to see you know eventually a whole village of you know maybe 20 of of these homes and there's certain areas right near where we're at there on uh 655 west 16th street and 17th street there's uh some area right there close that we probably could do something i was going to say this might be an uh, opportunity to remove some blight out of the neighborhood and have it functional i mean the the plumbing is in the ground wherever you go in the, in the inner city there you know on the west side it, it, it is joel um we're so ready i mean in this like i said that we can turn this around quickly and mm. i think that that's key to the success for our homeless throughout erie and it's key for the success of the community Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to keep them together. Well, you know, we have a gazebo and, and it's a, they feel like they have something that they can belong to. Um, th- you know, they really feel like community shelter is their family. So that sense of belonging. And then when you watch uh, Family G, our first tiny home family, um, that night that, you know, th- they had something that was theirs. And, and to watch them turn the lock on that and know that they were safe and sound for a good night's sleep together as a family it was just really pulls at the heartstrings. Can you talk about the programming that would happen now in order to make that bridge from, okay, we're in emergency shelter to here's how we can set you up for success to have your own place. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, emergency shelter. We have a social worker, full-time social worker um, that she, uh, you know, she works tirelessly. You know, she has 80, almost 80 clients that she works with. So uh, plugging them into people. And then she also has three caseworkers, uh, which myself is one of them. Um, and we, you know, wherever she thinks someone's the best fit and she's, you know, like I said, she's spread pretty thin amongst uh, almost 80 clients. So we uh, tend to help her as much as we can. But she, uh, you know, she interviews with different apartment buildings, um, housing authorities, uh, different, any type of financial institution that can um, that can provide and finance um, living. Um, for our tiny homes specifically, um, she started a selection team. So whatever uh, whatever company decides to finance a home for us, uh, they tell us what kind of demographic they're they're looking to house. Um, and our selection team, which is headed by our social worker, um, kind of gets to work. You know, months out. Like this uh, mm-hmm. first family was probably two months in the making in the selection process. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the selection team takes over, and as long as they meet the demographics we're looking for and everything like that. They get plugged. You all weigh in. What would be the trajectory then from someone uh, who is stabilized in emergency housing? Um, it, you talk about getting jobs and things like that, 
But I mean, that's a big jump. Uh, uh, you know, is the next step Section Eight or Hands or Housing Authority? What are we talking? Um, you know? So that's uh, you know, it's a pretty wide range of different different things that can happen. Like I said, with the different demographics. Um, it could, there could be someone who, like I said, just lost their house. They have a full-time job, making 60 grand a year, has a car. Um, so there's little, almost little to no work to do with that person. We just got to hook them up with the right programs to house them um, and house hunting. But then there's a person who comes from uh, over state lines that has no birth certificate, no social security card. So that one tends to take a little bit more work. But um, we put just as much effort in anyone that we get through our doors. Um, that when I first got here, the average stay was around six months. Um, right now, it's just about 90 days, which is what the county's looking for. So, would you would you share a little bit of about your story? You said th- this is something that you've experienced. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, just real quick, you know, because that's a that's a pretty long story. Right. But um, uh, yeah, it's my uh, my mother uh, struggled with you know battles of addiction um, whenever I was real young in middle school. Um, so my sister and I, uh, no matter how bad she ever got, you know, she made sure that we stayed together. Um, she, that was her number one concern, you know, just like pretty much any other mother. Um, you know, so we, we found our, ourselves walking through the doors of community shelter services. Um, and from day one, we got the support that we needed. Um, we were the first family uh, in an apartment that CSS has in their building in the old Columbus school. We we're the first family in that apartment. Um, and, uh, you know, they, the social workers there helped us get from one step to the next. And, you know, so now, uh, I, I made sure that I wanted to go to school to help, you know, people of the same demographic. And, um, and then whenever I graduated, I went instantly into the field so people kind of get surprised with how young I am, but I, yeah. I knew from, you know, middle school what I wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, now I'm exactly where I wanted to be at this time in my life. And, you know, CSS gave me a spot to work and set up my workstation to do my work. So, you know, uh, it's easy for for lay folks to just kind of kind of put your hands up and say, we can't do anything about this. But I see three very optimistic people in front of me here. Diane, talk about the hope that the efforts of the community shelter services and the home team in general bring to this what seems to be a really tough problem to solve. Well, we are that pathway to the housing help and hope. And, and that hope that you just talked about, um, again, very wide range. Um, and everyone is so different. And that's what's great about uh, Community Shelter is that we have three uh, client advocates on staff. And we do have a social worker on staff. So we can tap into those needs because they do vary. So once we can hone in on what's best for this individual, you know, they may only need to be at our place for maybe even 30 days. Um, but we have, you know, we have someone there that's uh, pushing her one-year anniversary with us, and we just didn't feel that she's ready yet, but she's getting very close. So we get excited about that, and there's nothing greater than to watch that family or mom and her children to walk out of our doors with their little suitcase and what they have acquired since they've been there through the donations of this great community, um, knowing that they're going to their next phase they're going to go to their next apartment or their next house as that family kathy talk why about why you're optimistic one reason that diane and kane have mentioned but i would like to emphasize is the staff at community shelter services is by far the most amazing staff um in today's world to imagine quite a few things going on there and yet 
they see a need out of their own pocket they will purchase things for people there i know kane's done it i know several people have they make a point to make sure that that family is happy mm -hmm. i'm optimistic because we are looking at tiny homes Diane's vision to make more and more families be able to be together, yeah. as well as the community shelter services, the vision they have for the non-families that are being taken care of there. It's just an incredible, incredible situation we have right now. Uh, go ahead, Diane. And, and if I could just add one more thing to what Kathy said is um, we take a lot of pride during COVID that we were able to, uh, we were one of the only shelters that was able to stay open during COVID. And we spent a lot of money cleaning and sanitizing. Oh, oh yeah. And that's when we got our new washers and dryers, which really helped. And they were going nonstop. But we take a lot of pride in the fact that you know, we can keep the cleanliness going and keep people healthy. And one tiny home that I would like to look at, um, it, you know, if I could get someone from the community to work with me, and that is a, a small tiny home just for an individual to be able to be quarantined when they do get sick. Because mm -hmm. the congregate living is, is, is so risky in sure. today's environment. So to have just one home there that we could actually quarantine someone when needed, and then, you know, when after they become healthy again, to be able to, you know, completely wipe that down, sanitize that, I think that that would be huge, um, just as important as a family shelter. That makes a lot of sense. I only got a couple minutes left with our friends from Community Shelter Services. I want to kind of pull out to a 30,000 foot view and um, uh, work with me on if there was a policy change or if there was a conduit for support that you think would really, uh, you know, take a, a, a sock out of homelessness in Erie County. Uh, what do we need? What's missing? Kane, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, no, no, that's completely fine. Um, I think a big thing is, you know, space, um, you know, because right now we have, uh, including us with, you know, having transitional housing ourselves. I mean, every spot is filled, you know what I mean, including the spots on waiting list. But you, you hear this narrative that there's just some homeless uh, folks that will just not be bound by any kind of right. supervision. I'm sure you, you have a, a, a no, a no uh, under influence rule, right, to, to come into the shelter? Or? Um, I mean, kind of our, our role is more of, you know, we want to be understanding. So, um, of course, we have a lot of people who suffer from the diseases of addiction. Right. Um, so uh, we tend to be a little bit more understanding. You know what I mean? Instead of, you know, you're under the influence, you need to pack your things and go sleep in a bus stop. That's that's not how we do things at CSS. We're more of how about we go take a nap or here, walk with me. Let's talk for a minute. A little bit more of a um, supportive environment. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think the big so thing. So for people that that are though that are willing right. to to you know receive help, right. you want to make sure the capacity is there. Right, and then of course you're you're always going to have people. We call it um we call it the nomad lifestyle. You know what I mean? That mm. just kind of want to be out and about. You know, at all times of the year and day. Um, those um we just want to have the we want to have the team together and the teamwork going to be able to help people like that. Um, and I think that's a big thing that's been missing from the city of Erie mm. is, uh, you know, the teamwork amongst the different uh, agencies and programs. Um, but I think this year, like I, you know, kind of touched on earlier is, um, I think this was the first year that we all started to click and work together. And what that came from was, you know, the right management, the right positions and 
um, I'm glad that CSS was able to spearhead that and, you know, build those bridges and things like that. So I appreciate that. Uh, final thoughts, folks. Well, I think one more thing in addition to the tiny homes that the importance is, um, I would love to see a food truck from Community Shelter because the area where we're located there, uh, 655 West 16th and 17th area, uh, the neighborhood, they're hungry and we feed them. So we're not only feeding people from the shelter. Um, there's no one in that neighborhood that is hungry, and that's one of my my big things that I share with every employee. So if you knock at our door, and, and they know if they knock at our door, they're going to be fed. Mm, wonderful. Well, we're 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 uh, we've got problems that we're solving uh, with creative solutions, and I uh, want to thank our, our guests here, Diane Lizette, uh, Executive Director. Uh, of Community Shelter Services, Kathy Szymanski uh, from the Kiwanis Club and also a board member of CSS and Kane Patron, the uh, shelter manager uh, at Community Shelter Services. Congratulations on the, uh, the tiny homes. They're, you know, they're, they're, that's, a, that's a big deal. I think uh, it's, uh, to be on the solution side of this is really, really important. Thanks for taking the time to come join us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>